This is the Build Your Path podcast, where we explore how people get into their careers in the built environment. Today's guest is Bob Adakovic. Bob has worked in the construction industry for 30 years and is currently the president of MCCEI. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Shapiro and Duncan. Build the lifestyle you deserve. Welcome on into the Build Your Path podcast, hosted by myself, Matthew Pine. I am with my guest today. Bob Adukovic, president of the Maryland Center for Construction, Education, and Innovation, MCCEI for short. I've had 30 years in the building and real estate business, and the coolest thing I've ever done is I got to walk through the middle of the Pentagon with a military escort. Bob, welcome on into the show today. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Yep. Uh, although I see you every day, it's good to have a more a more personal touch for our our listeners. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, so let's get a bit of a background from you, who you are, where you came from, uh, what your upbringing looked like. I was born and raised in Warren, Michigan, which is a suburb of Detroit. Mm-hmm. So it's right on the outskirts of Detroit. Um, we lived in a four-bedroom rancher. Um My father was a General Motors engineer. Uh, My mom had worked in or worked for the Sun Oil Company. And then uh, when I came along or she stayed home to um, care for ailing parents. So we had very much the traditional post-war nuclear family. Mm -hmm. And I was an only child. So, you know, there wasn't a lot to do. So I had to entertain myself quite a bit. And I wound up um, having all the toys and trappings of the day, so Lincoln Logs, Tinker Toys, Legos, and I wound up, um, you know, I, my favorite pastime was going out into my mom's rose garden and building cities mm-hmm. with roads and matchbox cars and airports and buildings and everything else, and that's just kind of what I did. Uh, growing up in a engineer's household in you know, Detroit, you're kind of on a one-track path. You work for the auto industry, period. Right. Um, my dad being a GM lifer, um, he tried to get me into the auto industry mm-hmm. and, and onto an engineering pathway. Mm-hmm. So all through high school and through most of college, um, I was hell-bent on a pre-engineering pathway mm-hmm. uh, until I got to college and actually started doing engineering classes and then realized that there's a reason that engineering is hard and I wasn't it. <laughs> um, yeah. So I beat my head against the wall trying to get through the calculus and the physics and everything else and then realized that being an engineer was probably not in the cards. Yeah. So having had all that experience, um, I started looking around for other options and found a major at Michigan State University called construction management. Mm -hmm. At that time, it was called building construction management. And most of the engineering prereqs that I had done transferred over into building construction management. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really didn't lose anything. I had a little makeup to do. But honestly, what that had done is it prepped me to be able to handle the BCM classes, uh, which were rigorous, I mean, not engineering-wise, but I went from fumbling through classes and kind of two-pointing or sometimes failing classes to making the dean's list. Mm -hmm. And like all of a sudden, I found it. Yep. Uh, so rather than being pigeonholed into something 
that worked for a family member, mm-hmm. you know, I had to break away and find my own thing. Right. And it was back to building cities in the Rose Garden. And that's where my career went to um, after graduating uh, from Michigan State. Perfect. So you talked about, you know, your upbringing after high school, after college. What would you say your biggest surprise post-graduation would be uh, when you're first starting to tackle your career? The level and intensity of the work that you're doing. Um, And they told us in college, in going through the BCM program, that just because you get a college degree uh, doesn't really mean jack all, that mm-hmm. it doesn't entitle you to anything. The only thing it really does is it tells you that you are trainable right? and that you have the capacity to learn things. Um, so I went in with that kind of a mindset that, you know, I, I wasn't expecting to be handed anything that you have to work for. And that is very much true of the industry, but I didn't realize how surprisingly true it was that you got to pay your dues. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're sitting there with your your degree and you're thinking, I went to school for this, and you're sorting paper clips. Why? Because that's what they need you to do. (laughs) The nature of the building business, Mm -hmm. so surprise-wise, is that, you know, it's an enormous industry made up of a few very large players and hundreds of thousands or millions of very small businesses that feed that beast. Yep. Um, so when you are in a small business, there's no pretense. There's no nothing. If, if X needs to be done and you're not doing anything, guess what? You're doing X. I don't care if it's in your job description or not. Yep. Just do it. Um, so... That experience about the first five years after school, um, when I was working for a subcontractor organization Mm -hmm. outside of Washington, D.C., very much set the stage for the rest of my career development and the way I tackled things. It was just like, you know, roll up your sleeves and do it. Yeah. And they don't teach you that in school. Right. And that's kind of implied. You have to roll up your sleeves and do everything. But it's when X needs to be done, you do it, period. Mm -hmm. Move on. Here's a little segment we like to call, You Can't Make This Stuff Up. I wound up working for a small builder in the Detroit area, Mm -hmm. and part of the job was uh, we were doing a renovation and an expansion of a neighborhood grocery store. The place was called Your Better Market. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mom and pop operation had been there for a while. Um, So they they served a very tight-knit community, and the grocery store tended to be, you know, aside from the churches in the area, the grocery store was the nucleus of community. On that particular job, it it was so interesting to see, to interact with the customers and interact with the the shop owner Mm -hmm. and all the different um, characters that would come into that store. It was that was an eye-opening experience about, you know, you're doing something that's affecting a local community, but you have a job to do. Mm-hmm. So some of my favorite stories that I love to tell, um, out of that one summer job, we were getting ready to do the expansion of the main entryway, and because the store couldn't shut down, it had to stay open and operating. So one day, the foreman comes around and says, we're taking that wall down. And for, for the listeners, we're talking about a 14-foot 14 14 high masonry wall mm-hmm. that had to come down to make way for the new entrances. 
and there's just me and this other guy. And the other guy had been working there longer, so he got to go up on the ladder. And by taking the wall down, meaning we had to take it down to the ground mm-hmm. um, and then clean up the site and prep it for the work that was coming in the next day. So this guy named Carl, Carl's up on the ladder, mm-hmm. and you'd be surprised that a masonry wall, like you, you know, you've all heard the stories, like you've just ran into a brick wall, and that wall doesn't move. Yep. But if you know how to get up there, you can start popping blocks out of it pretty easily. Right. So depending on, you know, they're pretty fragile. So Carl's up on a ladder with a crowbar and a sledgehammer, and he's just banging away. And my job is to basically take everything block by block that he's dropping down and scoop them up and get them out of the way. And we had this designated area, took up about four or five parking spaces. And by the end of the day, we had those four or five parking spaces Mm about five feet high, covered in broken bricks and concrete blocks and mortar scraps and everything else. And, you know, your hands are bruised and bloodied, and, you know, it doesn't matter how many pairs of gloves you go through. When you're moving that kind of material by hand, Right. um, you're going to get scraped up. But we did it. We got the wall down, and we had everything prepped, and we're ready to go. We tried to, even at the time, we tried to be very careful with this because if you pop those things just right, you can mm-hmm. reuse them. I mean, they're perfectly good. You just got to clean them up a little bit. So we tried to save as many blocks as possible, and they wound up in another pile. So next morning we show up to the job site. Foreman comes around and says, hey, Bob, here's a set of eyeglasses and a sledgehammer. I want you to go over to that pile of blocks over there that's going to, uh, or that you took down yesterday. And anything that's bigger than a softball, I want you to bust it up into little tiny bits. And I'm thinking, I am now on the proverbial rock pile <laughs> in prison, yeah. make, turning big ones into little ones. Yep. Like the cartoons. Just, yeah, I mean, this is hard labor, mm-hmm. beating sun in the middle of a parking lot with a sledgehammer. And I'm on top of this pile just kind of laughing hysterically. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I went to college for this. Right. Right. So you, know, you don't really question why. The foreman says, do it. Make the big ones into little ones. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing this. And then finally I, you know, I got up the nerve and I went over to him and I said, Why? Like, what have I done? Did I piss you off? Mm -hmm. He's like, no. I got a front loader coming later this afternoon in a dump truck. I just want to make sure all that stuff gets into one load so I only have to pay for one transport. Yep. Just eyeballing it right now, that's going to take two loads. But if you bust up all those big things, we can get it into one load. You just saved us a bunch of money. Mm -hmm. And I'd rather pay you the 8 bucks an hour or whatever it is for four hours. So... You know, 48 bucks versus having to pay 500 for a second John Plark Club. So taking a hysterical situation into realizing that it was necessary for the job, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. That's the way it goes. So fast forward, fast forwarding to today, you are the president of Maryland Center for Construction, Education, and Innovation. You've been in this role since 2011? Yes. Yes. So just talk about some of the challenges that MCCEI has faced over the years and some of the rewards that we have uh, realized. MCCEI was created during the recession. 
to really address the construction workforce issue. Mm -hmm. um, at the time, um, I or prior to starting MCCEI, um, I had been working with a small uh, group of builders in the Columbia area doing some business development and trying to land some projects. Um, and th this is during the depths of the recession, so I mean, it was just rough going. Yeah. Uh, one of the builders I was working with went bankrupt. The other one decided that they were going to stick to their knitting rather than trying to um, do some things. So basically, the companies I was working for mm -hmm. either weren't there or didn't need my services anymore. And at the time, um, some groups of folks, one of my other clients, was starting the MCCEI, and we got in and we started um, working on this. Um, so MCCEI started as businesses large and small in the in Maryland could not find workers and during the depths of the recession we were not short of workers we were short of work period right. there was just no work and too many people doing it mm -hmm. so we had people leaving the industry left and right so talent was awash in the market but yet the same employers were coming back and saying that they couldn't find the right number of people the right skill sets the mm -hmm. right price the the right duration, the right attitudes, the right everything. So being in construction, the the nature of construction, really, it's not building, it's problem solving. You know, every building that goes up is just nothing but a giant puzzle full of problems that you have to solve that eventually turns into a building. The nature of the beast was something must be wrong with our training and education system. If we can't find the right employees in this environment, something must be wrong. We have to go in and fix it. So we started the MCCI along those notions is that we were going to go out and figure out what was wrong with our education system. Mm -hmm. Only to about five years later, about after really digging into it and talking to the business community, um, coming to the great realization that our education system, uh, while not perfect, really isn't broken. Mm -hmm. uh, the same education system that we're throwing under the bus of being, you know, not working for our industry is the same one that's going on to produce young men and women who are going on to be doctors and lawyers and scientists and musicians and poets. Yeah. You know, so the education system is fine. What we realized is that we had an input-output model and that construction as an industry was rather repulsive to young people. Um, in the aftermath of the recession, you know, it took several years for our industry to rebound. No parent in their right mind would look at their kids in 2011, 2012 and say, you know what, you got to go in the building business. Mm -hmm. You know, It was still a falling knife at that point. Uh, teachers, same way. Counselors, same way. Even students, I mean, they're a lot more um, insightful than we give them credit for. You know, they're looking for a way where they can make it mm -hmm. in, in life. And then we realize that we have to tell a better story of this industry because as careers have evolved and the economy has gone from manufacturing post-war to um, a service economy in the 80s and 90s and now to the digital economy in the 2000s. Um, and then we were in the gig economy um, and the, in the depth or the immediate aftermath of the recession. Um, Construction still walking around thinking it's 1965 again. And the story that we're telling is not not where it needs to be to attract people. Mm -hmm. So we started shifting over about maybe 2016 or so into saying that we have to we have to be the voice of what this industry truly is. That yes, it is building, yes, it is dirty, yes, it is 
you know, all those stereotypes that you can imagine. Mm-hmm. But if you stop there, you're doing yourself a disservice. That's mm-hmm. like judging a book by its cover. So construction is problem solving. The technology that's going into buildings now is it, it, it's almost like the Jetsons. You know, the, the level of technology and automation that is going into the building business um, would make your head spin. Mm-hmm. So the use of 3D printing and robots and mm-hmm. drones and assembly line kind of technologies to make building components, not just doors and windows and dimensional lumber, but actual full walls, mm-hmm. fully wired and plumbed and finished in a factory and all that stuff just gets shipped to a job site and assembled. We're not so much in the realm of building buildings anymore. We are assembling buildings out of pre-made components. Yeah. And that's going to get nothing but bigger over the years. And it's all being driven by artificial intelligence mm-hmm. and three-dimensional modeling and com- um, uh, computer programs called uh, building information modeling. And there's a lot of virtual reality that goes into it. So mm-hmm. um, technology in our business, I mean, it's not what you think it is. And here's the rest of the story. So, Bob, talk about the built environment. Not all of our listeners know what the built environment is entirely, what it encompasses, what the different pathways are to success. Just talk about the occupations in the built environment. What's what's it all about? Sure. So the built environment, it covers everything from our homes, schools, churches, stores, uh, schools, um, everything above the ground that you see, so mm-hmm. office buildings, apartments, hotels, museums, museums everything. Sure. Um, but it's not just the the physical asset. Mm-hmm. So built environment careers encompass the people who dream this stuff up, and that usually falls under the realms of owners or developers. Um, so real estate developers in commercial real estate in and residential real estate, mm-hmm. they're building things and they're doing it for a profit. Yep. They hire groups called planners. Mm-hmm. And cities and counties and states use planners to figure out where does the growth go and how dense should it be. Mm-hmm. And you know what should it look like? And they, the planners come up with um, these building regulations and land use regulations, usually under the terms of something called um, zoning codes. Mm-hmm. And master plans. So the developers work within the planning and the master planning community to come up to see what can they build. And then they hire an architect. Mm -hmm. And the architect has to come up with the design for the actual building. Mm -hmm. And then under the architect, the architect will hire um, an army of different Mm -hmm. sub-designers, engineers, interior designers, historic preservation specialists, all to come up with a design that meets the building codes and zoning codes and the developer's vision, um, the owner's vision, like what they want their church to look like, what mm-hmm. they want their house to feel or how they want it to feel and the different finishes. So the design community is all part of the built environment. And then all that stuff gets handed over to the building community. So there are general contractors so you see the signs out there and the Mm -hmm. big cranes and it's got the name on it well that general contractor is just in charge of getting the project built they hire an army of what's called Mm subcontractors 
So the subcontractors, and there could be, depending on the size of the job, there could be hundreds of subcontractors that are these other independent companies that work for the generals to actually build the building. And then once that's all done, then it goes into building and facilities maintenance. So these are the people who come in and fix the air conditioning when it's broken um, or do the plumbing repairs or swap out the, the fixtures and paint the rooms and do the carpets. So it, it's, it's the dreaming it up, it's the planning it, it's the designing it, the building it, and that's the maintaining it. That's the built environment. And this includes all the stuff above ground that we just talked about, and it also includes roads, bridges, dams, sewer systems, mm -hmm. uh, electrical grids, anything that is out there that makes everything work. And so we know we don't notice it on on a day to day basis because we're kind of in it. Mm -hmm. But when you really stop and look around, it's everywhere, and somebody it's somebody's job to do all that stuff. Uh, if so, if you had to give one piece of advice to a young person today, say your typical eighth grader, ninth grader, who's interested in the construction industry but not really sure if they want to go for it, what would, what would that one piece of advice be? So don't think of this as just a job. Mm -hmm. So myself as a prime example, I went from working on the rock pile, turning big yep. ones into little ones, um, got my first job out of college and sorting paper clips mm -hmm. to that led to bidding jobs and then that led to running projects uh, and then I left that job and then started working on the redevelopment of a neighborhood commercial district in Baltimore which then led to um, working on citywide projects which then led to the redevelopment of downtown Baltimore mm -hmm. um, and then that led to not just on the city side of doing things, but then that led to me starting the MCCEI. And it's been a 30-year run so far. I'm not done yet. <laughs> you know, I still feel like there's a lot of gas in the tank. The advice I can give to any young person listening to this is that, sure, you may start out doing some really crap jobs, mm -hmm. but understand that there's a reason behind it. Mm -hmm. Had I not asked... Louis, the foreman, why do you have me on the rock pile? What did I do to piss you off? I never would have known that there was a business reason behind that. None of these jobs are dead ends. Mm -hmm. um, but every single one of them, if you're happy doing it, you can do that for your entire career and be pretty well paid for it. You know, the, the future is limitless when it comes to this. Mm. And I would say that just because you start off doing some field work, it doesn't mean that you couldn't end up owning your own company at some point. And you just got to, you know, the only thing limiting you is you. It's hard work, but there's a vast reward. And if you think about the amount of stuff that we're building, the mm -hmm. stuff that's already been built that needs to be maintained, mm -hmm. you got a lifelong career in this because our built environment isn't going anywhere. And where it is going for energy efficiency, net zero buildings, climate change. I mean, we have a lot of stuff that we need to be working on within our built environment. So it's a really big tent. And there's a place for you. I appreciate you taking time out of your day and just want to thank you for uh, this conversation. It was great. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. If you want to learn more about Build Your Path podcasts or the built environment overall, go ahead and visit buildyourpath.org. Another big thank you to our guest, Stacy from Shapiro and Duncan. 
And once again, this episode was brought to you by Shapiro and Duncan. Build the lifestyle you deserve. Build Your Path podcasts are produced by the Maryland Center for Construction, Education, and Innovation. I'm Matt Pine. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.